Welcome back to the podcast, Love, Transform, Restore. This is your host, Charles Prince. I stand before the crowd, listening for my name. They shall be crucified, this man is who to blame. Knowing what I deserve, they free me from my chains. I turn to see his wretched face. I did not know it was his grace. It's you free me from the chains. It's you took away my pain. And now I call. Thank you all again for tuning in to this podcast. I pray everyone has been having a good day and that everyone has been doing well. And, you know, we got a number of topics I love to cover on this podcast. Uh, we covered a lot so far, but that's the great thing about scripture. You can never run out of topics. There's always something to talk about. And even just looking into our world today, you can even look there and see things that will remind you of things that are mentioned and talked about in scripture. And for today's podcast, as you can probably see in the title, uh, we will be focusing on the idea of Facebook theology. If you didn't listen to last week's podcast, just a quick rundown. On what I was talking about last week, um, theology is the study of the nature of God and of religion. And so a preacher or anyone who studies the word of God is to a degree a theologian, a person who studies about the nature of God and the nature of religion. In this case, the nature of God and the nature of the holy word of God, the Bible, in which we can only know about the nature of God by studying God's word. And so they're intertwined one and the same. But the idea is that we, the idea we talked about last week was not getting your theology, your way of thinking about God, your way of thinking about Christianity from Facebook. And as you can see from the title of this podcast, we're going to be continuing on that thought because I have found more things that I think we need to discuss on this podcast. So in continuing this idea of do not or don't get your Facebook or don't get your theology from Facebook, rather, we're going to be focusing more on things that I've run across on Facebook, things that I've seen being shared around that needs to be discussed quite a bit. Um, first thing I want us to keep to keep in mind as we look at these is that, again, I want to reemphasize this as I did last week. This is not to say that the people that share these are people that believe this stuff necessarily or knowingly um, sharing this as far as knowing what all is mentioned. Uh, many people share these things out of ignorance and there are some that actually do believe it. So this is to those that um, share it and not realize what's, what it is saying and those that share it knowing what it's saying. So we need to look at the Bible and see what God's word has to say on these matters. Um, just like we did last week, we're going to be focusing on three things 
that I have seen floating around Facebook lately. And I strongly think this is something we need to look at and keep um, oppressed upon, uh, keep ourselves oppressed on, because so many times as New Testament Christians, we run across these posts that many that are outside of Christ will share, and sometimes those inside of Christ will share, and we need to know how to um, talk to people about it and show them where in God's Word where the information they're sharing is not true. The first one that we're going to focus on. Uh, Again, for those that listened last week, there was a post that was pretty lengthy, and I read it. And this is a post that is similar to that one, because last week I said that I have seen different versions of this post. And while the version that I talked about last week did indeed have a ton of problems that needed to be discussed, especially near the end of the actual challenge itself. It was a challenge, you know, it's challenging people to copy and paste and share this. But this one, I think, shed some more information because this one's a lot more lengthier than the other one. And it's got more things that we can point out that we definitely need to address. Understandably, we're not going to address every single one of these because some of these is in a study all in itself. So let's start. This first thing that I've been seeing on Facebook, the government might be preparing for a cashless society, but it was predated by the Bible, already designed. It put into place just means our time is getting closer. Not worried about what is going to happen, just looking up and getting ready. Maybe worry about your friends and family who aren't ready instead of what is already designed to happen, that you will not be stopping. While the devil is preparing people for the Antichrist, God is preparing people for the rapture. I don't know when the rapture will take place, but I do believe it could be soon. I also believe this is a time that God is giving us a chance to repent. We need to get the gospel message out. Until the good Lord calls me away from, the world, from this world to go home, I want to make it clear that I believe in Jesus Christ as the true Lord and Savior, despite the fact that I am human and I fell a lot. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins and that he rose from the dead on the third day. He loves us all dearly, far more than we deserve, and forgives our sins when we repent. His word says in John 3:16, Whosoever believeth in me should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible also says, Matthew 10, 33, But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which art in heaven. This is the best challenge I've seen on Facebook. So if the Holy Spirit moves you and you're not ashamed, just copy and make this as your status update. Can I get an amen for being a believer in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Amen. Are you ready? I've got more to go to heaven for than I did yesterday. Thank you, Jesus, for your many blessings you've given to me and mine. God's coming back just like he said. Are you looking for him? And... There's a number of things that we discussed last week that we're not going to discuss in this podcast for especially when it gets to the part where it says um, where it says, uh, I don't know when the rapture will take place, but I do, do believe it will could be soon. I also believe this is a time that God has given us a chance to repent. I covered that last week because um, it starts closer to those to those words. So whoever did this, I think copied that status from last week and added all the stuff at the beginning. And that's the reason why the one from last week had some error in it, but it did not have some of the things that are just blatantly um, taking scripture out of context on here in this one. 
First one, and this is one of those ones that we're going to discuss at a later time because there's a lot of confusion, especially when it comes to the book of Revelation and and the things that are taking place in that. But the talking about the government might be preparing for a cashless society, but it was predated by the Bible already designed. And we're not going to get into that today because, like I said, we're going to do a study on Revelation in this podcast. Matter of fact, um, we are going to start off season four looking at revelation and reason i'm doing that is because with so much stuff going on in the world right now and everything that's taking place there is going to be a lot of misteaching which is always a, already a lot of misteaching on revelation but i believe it's going to get worse as especially when we get closer to november around election time and whatnot and i especially want to get started on this series as fast as possible so um, when we, because it's episode nine right now, so um, we usually stop at episode 10, take a two week hiatus. We're only going to do a one week hiatus because I want to get into Revelation as quick as possible because there's a lot of misteachings teachings on this. And I think there's going to be a lot of people that are genuinely going to be frightened that um, something horrible is coming. And that's not to say something horrible couldn't be coming, but as far as what this is saying, there's a lot we need to address. So with the whole cashless society and talking about it being predated by the Bible and already designed, that's something that we will focus on for another time. However, the next thing that we're going to mention, and we mentioned this last week, but it's worth reemphasizing. It talks about that uh, it put into place just means our time is getting closer. Well, let's uh, understand something. Um, I want to, again, reemphasize 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. And again, we covered this already, but it's worth reemphasizing because people just do not understand that we need to understand that we don't know when Jesus is going to return. So 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 6. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, there is sudden, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. So again, as I mentioned last week, we don't know when the Lord will return. It's going to be a, like a thief in the night. And it's going to take us by surprise. We're going to least expect it. And so that's one thing I think that we have to realize is that we need to pound that into our heads because every time we get in this mindset that, oh, if this is happening, then this means that Jesus is coming soon. You know, it's getting closer and closer. And I've looked back through history and it seems like any kind of major event that's happened, especially in the United States, we take that as meaning that the Antichrist is coming, which we're about to talk about the Antichrist here in a minute. And that uh, the uh, rapture is coming and the seven years tribulation and everything. And like I said, those are a lot of topics we're going to discuss with studying Revelation. It's definitely needed. Um, so not only with and focusing and realizing that, but as I mentioned last week, we put so much emphasis on the problems we have 
and our nation. And there are people that are facing situations 10 times worse than what we are going through. But at the same time, you don't hear their populations talking about the end of the world or all of that happening. They just look at it as an opportunity to serve Jesus Christ and to continue to get people to come to Christ, even if it means death here in the United States. And this is just saying for all of us, this is not a picking on just of our nation. I'm proud of uh, being, I, I'm proud of the fact that I was, um, I'm a veteran, I served in the military. Um, I love my country, I do. But we must keep in mind too, that we have to have a love for the kingdom of God way more than we can ever have a love for our country. No country should take the place of the true kingdom of God and not only the kingdom of God, but his righteousness. You know, we think about Matthew 6, 33, where it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we're so quick to say, yes, we can't put family above God. We can't put, um, we will even say trivial, trivial, trivial things like we can't put sports above God. We can't put our jobs before God. But we ever thought about the fact that we shouldn't put our nation before God. We shouldn't put love of nation before God. And this is not to say there's nothing wrong with being patriotic. I'm not saying that at all. That's nothing wrong with that. But we cannot let what's going on in our nation and say that that is what God is going to use as a catalyst for his son returning. Because we have to realize some horrible things have happened in history. And Jesus did not return during those times. And this is not to say that I am trying to make what we're going through light or saying that, you know, try to put it in a way that, you know, it's not a big deal. No, it's a very big deal. But again, we must realize that every time it gets darker, light shines brighter. So the darker things get, the more Christians have a chance to shine more than ever. And we have to realize that because if we don't, then we will get consumed with the things of this world and we will be anxious. We will be so worried that we cannot get on with our lives and live for the king. This is not to say we don't, this is not to say we be naive. This is not to say that there's things we shouldn't take precautions for. I'm not saying that at all. I think that there are some things we do need to take precautions for and we need to stay aware of things. But to say that what's happening specifically in our country or just in Western civilization is meaning that the end of the world is coming, I think is very self-centered of us because there's Christians and people and souls around the world that don't live in the West or in westernized nations like um, Western Europe, uh, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, you know, the industrialized nations of our world. And so we have a responsibility still to present the gospel and to continue to go out in the world. And so with that in mind, continuing to look at what we're, you know, what scripture is saying, or yeah, we are looking at what scripture is saying, but continuing with uh, breaking down this first part of this challenge it says, uh, you know, not worried about what is going to happen, just looking up and getting ready. Maybe worry about your friends and family who aren't ready instead of what is already designed to happen that you will not be stopping. What is designed to happen is that Jesus is going to come again, 
and those that are righteous will be called up. And only difference is, and again, we're going to cover more of this in the book of Revelation. And not just Revelation, but other scriptures that talk about it. But when you read scripture, you don't get the idea that when those who are in God call, that are called up, we don't get the idea that this all happens. I mean, this happens and then many years down the road, um, you know, more things are going to happen or the seven years of tribulations, so to speak. Um, every time you read about those who are raptured up or called up, it seems like that those that are called up and then the preceding events to what would happen to the world and then the day of judgment, it don't seem like it's going to happen in a matter of years, but all within a very short period of time. And so this whole idea that, oh, you're not going to be able to stop what's happening. Yeah, we're not going to stop the coming of Jesus Christ. But as I mentioned before, we should not let disasters, catastrophes, or anything that falls along those lines, those things should not be used as catalysts as, oh, those are the only times we should call people to repentance. No, we need to call people to repentance all the time. We need to be aware of our lives and things that, things that we do in our lives, and we should be willing to repent any time. Not just when something disastrous has happened. We need to have that spirit. And we want to be able to get people ready all the time. Because I guarantee you, if this pandemic passes and the riots calm down and everything starts to calm down, I guarantee you, you're not going to be seeing these statuses floating around on Facebook and these challenges floating around on Facebook because people use fear to try to get people to God. And don't get me wrong, fear is a strong motivator. But then the question is, when the fear is gone, what's going to motivate people to stay to Christ? So that's just something we need to keep in mind. And one and next thing we're going to look at, last thing we're looking at this challenge, because like I said, the rest we discussed last week, while the devil is preparing people for the Antichrist, God is preparing people for the rapture. Um, we need to really talk about this Antichrist stuff. If you are familiar with any kind of what is called premillennialistic type literature or teaching, and for those of you that are not familiar with premillennialism, we're not even going to get into that right now <laughs> because, like I said, I just want to focus on what's mentioned in this challenge for right now. But to sum it up, if you have heard read or seen any of what is called the left behind series which i think recently they came out with uh, i guess you can call it a reboot of it with nicholas cage playing in the movie um if you've seen the left behind series that's pretty much sums up or in some cases i even think to a degree it might be somewhat extreme to the premillennialism thoughts, but it pretty much matches online. And this this whole idea of people being raptured up and then um, those that are left on earth are having to deal with seven years of tribulation and the rise of an antichrist. And so that's pretty much what people are fearing because that is what they have seen in literature and in the movies and in the media. And there's other 
um, movies and whatnot that portray this idea that are not the Left Behind series, but they get this idea that this Antichrist is going to run the world and then there's going to be a battle between um, the Antichrist and his forces and God and his forces. And again, this is something we're going to discuss all in Revelation. I keep giving you guys hints of what we're going to be talking about in Revelation as, as far as the false teaching with that and what Scripture actually says. But in 1 John chapter 2, verses 21 to 24, the Holy Spirit through Scripture reveals to us who the Antichrist is. And it might shock you. Because you, especially if you're listening, if this is your first time in listening to this podcast and you have the mindset about the Antichrist, about being this one individual person that's going to take control of the world. And I'm sure most of you have heard there are Christians who will call certain people the Antichrist. Um, I've heard almost every president we've had since I've been born been called the Antichrist. I've heard Obama been called the Antichrist. I've heard George W. Bush been called the Antichrist. I've heard Bill Clinton been called the Antichrist. And, you know, you got some Christians who have called Donald Trump the Antichrist. And the thing we have to realize is scripture tells us something that we need to realize. Starting at verse 21 of 1 John chapter 2. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, that is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. So that's a very important thing that we have to keep in mind. Antichrist is not some one big person that's going to be in charge of the world. Antichrist is anyone who is against Jesus Christ. I want to repeat that again. Those who are Antichrist... Antichrist with an S at the end, so more than one, are those who deny the Father and the Son. They deny God. So when you think about that, and when you read about this challenge about how the devil is supposedly preparing people for the Antichrist, we must realize that anyone who's against God and the Son are Antichrist. There have been antichrists during this time period in which First John was written. There were there are antichrists now. That's something that has never changed. There are always going to be people against Christ. There are always going to be those who will refuse the gospel of Christ, refuse to hear about the grace and the mercy of God, and will do their own thing. And so this is just a tip of the iceberg here. And again, like I said, in season four, we're going to start off with a study of Revelation and whatnot. And so um, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how that study is going to go. But anyway, so we've got that taken care of as far as looking at this challenge. And I just wanted to hit on those things that help us remind us that we don't know when Jesus is coming back. And we don't know. Uh, we don't. I mean, let me rephrase that. We know who the Antichrists are. 
It's not this one person that's going to come and rule the world. First of all, we have to realize that Satan is the prince of this world. So this world is already under submission, or I don't know if under submission is the right word, but this belongs, the world is not belong to God. So this idea that there's this one person that's going to make everything all of a sudden just submissive to the Antichrist, that's something that is foolish. And we must realize that the scripture makes it clear that this world is not our home. God is preparing us for the home after here. He's preparing us for heaven. So we need to keep that in mind. Next thing I want to talk about, I've been seeing flip around a bit, is I don't have a an exact status for this one because it's just been various uh, things about um, this particular topic. And that is looking at the United States. And you might be thinking to yourself, okay, what do you mean by the United States? And what I'm trying to get at is there are some, and looking at various different ways, some will try to, or will act like the United States is, God, is God's Israel, or God's chosen people, God's chosen nation, which I don't know exactly where to start on this, but a couple of seasons ago, we talked about who is part of the nation of God. And that is anyone who had obeyed scripture, those who recognized the grace of God, and thus, in recognizing that grace they want to hear or read and gain more knowledge about the word of God, then, and then believing what they have read and heard about uh, not about just about the word of God, but read and heard in the word of God, then we're, then that belief causes them to want to repent, change their lives, turn to God. And then they would want to confess that faith before men and wanting to let people know that they believe Jesus Christ is the son of God and then being baptized for the remission of sins. So anyone who has done those things are part of the nation of God. Now, again, I'm not saying that the United States isn't a great nation. I'm not saying that at all. We're, our country is honestly something that should have never happened. And that's the reason why, on the flip side of this, I can understand why some people take this into account or think that we are some type of chosen nation. You do not hear of that many countries who broken off violently from an empire and then under three centuries, yes, under three centuries become the most powerful nation in the world. And not only to become the most powerful nation in the world, but to be the lone superpower in the world. Many will say China's are to a degree a superpower and to a degree they are, but at the same time, the United States military is far beyond stronger than China's in any other nation in the world. And our economic strength is crazy. To give you an idea of how crazy our economic strength is, there's a video on YouTube. Uh, the name of the video is called, What If the British Empire Reunited Today? 
And they did a com they did a combination of the GDP of the former colonies and uh, Commonwealth nations that they're all combined. And I think the GDP, I think, came in at around three trillion dollars. I believe I want to say it was three trillion. Yeah, it was three trillion dollars. I believe. And in this exercise, the video creator did not have the 13 original colonies. Near the end of the video, he said, for this experiment, if Britain were able to gain control of the 13 original colonies, just in the 13 original colonies alone, the GDP would rise by $10 trillion. Just the 13 colonies I want you to think about that. The British Empire controlled one-fourth of the world's territory. And, I'm sorry, one eight, I think it's one-eighth of the world's territory and one-fourth of the world's population, I believe. Um, I believe that's right. I might have got the figures mixed up. It's one or the other. But, in other words, the British Empire was the largest empire in history. And despite if they were able to claim and get all of that back, their GDP, their economic strength could not match the United States. So just think about that. Just those 13 colonies would add $10 trillion to the GDP. So I can, you know, when you think about that and numbers like that, there's no wonder why a lot of people think that we are this special nation because there is no nation in history that has done what we have done. But just because there's no nation that has done what we have done, that does not mean that that means that we are magically part of God just by being an American. No, we are part of God by obeying the scriptures, by being baptized for the remission of our sins, coming out of that watery grave if you've done the prerequisite steps that we talked about, and being cleansed of our sins, made as white as snow. There are Christians around the world. The nation of God is found around the world, not just in one country. If anything, some of the people that, some of the Christians that live in some of the more poorer nations are actually have better conviction to God than some of many of us here in the States do. I just want to think about that for a minute. Now, last thing I want to focus on, and this one is a video I've been seeing shared around a little bit. And... The guy talked about these prophetic dreams that he's gotten, which I don't want to talk about the dreams because that's um, a topic I have planned a couple weeks from now. Matter of fact, it's going to be season 12 for this uh, season. So I'm not, did I say season 12, episode 12 for this season. So keep that in mind. We're going to be talking about dreams and modern day miracles, which if you, you can't see me, but I'm using air quotes when I say modern day miracles or modern day miracle workers. Let's put it that way. So we're going to be focused on that. But as some of the things he said afterwards, when he talked after talking about dreams that I really thought was very intriguing. He, just like a number of those in Christian worldview, talked about the Antichrist, which we already talked about what 1 John chapter 2, 21 to 24 says about Antichrist. But he takes it a step further in saying that the erosion of certain freedoms is meaning that the Antichrist is coming soon because the Antichrist hates them. And while I can see how he came to that conclusion, 
because he talked about how the Antichrist hates liberty, um, hates uh, things such as the Second Amendment and whatnot. And let's take away the Constitution for a minute. The Antichrist hates what's written in the Word of God. Antichrist love liberty. They want to be free from God and of any moral constraints. So just to address these things, that, you know, the erosions of these things doesn't mean the Antichrist is coming because if that's the case, then the Antichrist should have came in China, right? Or in Saudi Arabia or in uh certain nations in Africa, there's a number of nations in Africa where so many Christians are being persecuted, especially in Nigeria and in the Sudan. You know, shouldn't most countries in the Middle East, I mean, that's what I'm trying to get at, is there's a number of nations where they do not have not even half of the rights we have, but Christianity is stronger there than it is here. So what am I getting at here? I'm not saying I don't value freedom. I love freedom. I love the rights that we have here in our nation. But when we start thinking that God is going to protect those rights above all else, that's when we realize that perhaps we're not thinking like Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Paul and the apostles did not have these freedoms and God still expected them to spread the gospel of Christ. And again, I'm not trying to make this sound like I'm just in a bashing mood. I'm not trying to bash people who are, you know, I'm not trying to say it's anything wrong in believing in our country and loving our country. What I am saying is I think it's wrong when we put ourselves on a pedestal that we have no business being on because we all need to put God back on that pedestal. God is the only one that belongs on that pedestal. Not our nation, not our presidents, not our elders, not our ministers, not our deacons. Nobody goes on that pedestal but God and God alone. So in keeping these thoughts in mind, of not getting your theology from Facebook. And you can hear this stuff outside of Facebook. It don't have to just be Facebook, but Facebook is one of the largest consumers of media as um, I believe more people consume Facebook more than most television programs on cable and satellite. And But, you know, most people know that most people aren't even watching cable and satellite anymore with stuff like streaming that's coming out. But that's just to give you an idea of how much influence social media, especially Facebook and Twitter has on people. People will fall for anything, especially if it's what we call confirmation bias. And one thing I feel like for Christians is they fall in the confirmation bias if they just see the words God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, or a random verse. It could be any verse and they can be taking the verse out of context, but if they see it, most Christians will automatically agree with it. And scripture tells us that we need to study to show ourselves approved unto God. We are to show ourselves approved to, you know, we have to realize 
that when we rightly handle the word of truth, that's not saying that we, you know, we read the Bible, we're good. We share something on Facebook that has a verse, even though the verse may not have anything to do with anything, we're good. No, we have to realize that when we go to the word of God, we have to handle it correctly. And that means a lot of time, a lot of study, a lot of preparation. Christians, we got to study our Bibles more. I have met so many Christians that say, do I really have to study my Bibles? And I'm just going to be frank with you. If that's your attitude, then you really need to ask yourself, do you really love Jesus? Because Jesus' commands is found in the word of God. Jesus's ministry, his personality, how he dealt with things is found in the word of God. God's message to us, his love letter to us is in the word of God. So if your attitude is, do I really have to study scripture? I'm just going to tell you right now. If that's your attitude, then you don't love God like you should. In some case, you might not love God at all. I'm not suggesting that you study like us preachers do. You know, that it's our careers and our jobs to study it. And many of us do it because we love it too. But, you know, that's what's expected of us. We don't expect our everyday Christians enough to be knowledgeable in scriptures. And unfortunately, it shows because every year, many Christians either leave the faith some Christians will leave the church and many Christians cannot answer the most basic questions about the scripture, but they can answer every, every question when it comes to pop culture, when it comes to their favorite TV shows. Some can even answer stuff that they have forgotten about in school. If you remind them, they'll you give them a little reminder. Oh yeah, I remember that. We should know the plan of salvation. We should know about how God operates throughout the entire scripture. And I'm not saying we always are always going to have the verse reference in mind, but we should have knowledge of those things just as easily as we can remember that one plus one is two. And I know that sounds a little harsh, but it's true. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And if you don't read God's word, you don't know what the commandments of Jesus are. So if you don't know what the commandments of Jesus are, that means you can't follow the commandments of Jesus. And if you're not following the commandments of Jesus, then you do not love Jesus. So let's stop fooling ourselves when we sing songs like, oh, how I love Jesus. And we don't open up our Bibles ever. We are not practicing Christianity, we are simply carrying a title that we do not deserve to wear in the first place, but then we can't, we are too great, we don't even want to do our parts, so we are even less worthy to wear that title. And that's the reason why we fall for theology on social media more than I think I have ever seen in my lifetime. My friends, open your Bibles. Even if it's 15 
20, 30 minutes a day, an hour a day, however long it is, even if you have to start off five minutes a day, you notice I said start off because I think you should increase from that. But even if it starts off with five minutes a day, do it because we are Christians. We are Christ-like. Christ knew the word of God. He proclaimed it. He was not ashamed of it. And if we are to be Christ-like, then why can't we do the same? Christ controlled his tongue. As far as, you know, we don't ever see him using bad language. We don't ever see him in putting down people and putting down people because of their status or because they didn't, um, weren't in the same um, level as him. He was compassionate. He was humble. But many times we as Christians, we overlook those things because we simply say to ourselves, instead of being Christ-like, we want to say to ourselves, I want to do what I want to do. And no one can tell me otherwise, not even God. We don't say that, but subconsciously we think it. And I know this is kind of going off topic a little bit. Why am I talking about us being rooted and us studying God's word? Because I'm bringing this up because it does tie into the topic. We share and we misrepresent Christ all the time on Facebook. Those of us that know the word, we can stop that. We can use our knowledge to bring people to Christ. I find it crazy people will, I find Christians that will share stuff about things they have no control over or try to cause fear or may not even intentionally trying to cause fear, but, or just trying to bring up things to try to criticize or bring down other people and it's like social media is one of the greatest tools we have in in, in our history can you imagine if every Christian stopped posting half of what we posted on social media and we just simply posted what God's word says we could change the world and again, I'm not saying that's the only thing that should be on our social medias, but at the same time, there's a lot of things that shouldn't be on our social medias either. We fall for stuff. Many Christians fall for everything. And that's what happens when you don't have a foundation. You will fall for everything and anything. Without a strong foundation, not only could you be swayed by the theology of Facebook, you can be swayed by the theology of others. You know, there are so many people, so many people I met who had started off strong in the faith or at least gave the impression they were strong in the faith, especially those that were single. Then they meet someone who does not share their beliefs, not saying they're atheists, but they don't share the same convictions that they as a Christian know that they should have. And then next thing you know, they're not at service anymore. They're not opening their Bibles anymore. What happened? What happened is a foundation that should have been there 
was never there. They were like the foolish man that built their houses, that built his house on the sand. If you don't have a foundation in God's word, you will fall for everything and anything. And you will be swayed to anything. And those are the type of people that God does not stand. Know how I know God does not stand those type of people? Because if you turn with me, we're going to look at one verse before we close. Turn with me to Revelation. And we're going to look at chapter 3. And look at verses 14 and following. This is one of the letters to one of the seven churches of Asia. Here, Jesus is saying this to the church there. Starting at verse 14, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the angel, uh, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you would, would that you were either cold or hot. So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pit pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and solve and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and him with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Keep that in mind. Christ said, I'll spew you out of your mouth for being lukewarm. So many Christians wear the title, but don't want to actually put in the work. I encourage you. I encourage us. Let's not fall for everything. Let's build our foundation. Let us build upon the chief cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. Again, thank you all for tuning in to this podcast. I know it kind of sounded like I ended on a, on a sour note there, or it kind of sounded like it was on a sad note, which it is on a sad note. Because so many don't realize the blessedness of not only being in Christ, but opening up God's word and allowing his knowledge to not only be read, but to let God's word transform and change them. Yet there's so many you look at and you wonder to yourself, are they really Christians? Where's the change? Where's the transformation? They're not a living sacrifice. That's really you read about in Romans 12, 1. They are not a living, you know, they haven't been transformed as we see in Romans 12, 2. So this is a call for Christians to truly be rooted and have that foundation in God's word. As we see in Psalm 1 and verse 3, we need to be like a tree by the rivers of water. That tree is getting nutrients, constant nutrients. Its roots are strong. It's rooted. It will not be moved. Thank you again for tuning in to this podcast. And I hope you guys will tune in next week 
And you all have a good rest of your day, good rest of your week, and to God be the glory. Set me free from Calvary. It's you. It's you freed me from the chains. It's you. It's you took away.